You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to the ProServe Podcast with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that are not familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community dedicated entirely and exclusively to the boutique ProServe segment. And for those that want to grow, scale, and maybe someday sell their firms, my name's Greg Alexander, and I'm the lucky guy to lead this group. I'm the founder of Collective 54, and I'll be your host today. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about creating the ideal client profile. Now, before you roll your eyes in the back of the head and hit delete and say, I already got one of those, I'm going to challenge you because everybody says they have one, but the ones they have aren't very good. They're not kept up to date, and your ideal client profile changes all the time. So this is something that you have to keep top of mind. So it's a good refresher and a back to the basics fundamental episode. And we're really lucky today. We got a role model, role model a member, Jay Mitchell, and Jay is does this better than most. And he's going to drop his wisdom on us on how to pull this off and how to keep this thing current and use it in your pursuit of growing, scaling, and selling your firm. So Jay, it's great to see you. Thanks for being here. And please introduce yourself to the audience. Thanks, Greg. Uh, good to see you as well. Appreciate the introduction. Uh, as you said, I am a member of Collective 54. I've had the opportunity to do that for the last two years. It'll be two years actually later this month. So uh, it's been a fun ride and I've learned a lot from you and some of the, the other members. Uh, I started my firm, Mario, back in 2007, um, having led sales and marketing teams for uh, mostly technology, but some services companies for about 15 years prior to that. And uh, just had an opportunity to jump in here and and uh, help a bunch of other companies through a consultative approach as opposed to doing it as an employee approach. And uh, so it's been a really fun ride and, and uh, you know, learned a lot along the way. So it's been fun. And Jay, what's a, a typical type of client that you serve and, and what's the, the service you provide that client? So for companies that are wrestling with uh, different aspects or their go-to-market, they're not getting the win rates they want to get. They're not seeing the, uh, the deal velocity that they want to get. The, the average deal size is not large enough. We come in and provide a suite of revenue performance services. And those end up being things like uh, ideal client profiles yeah. and who do you go after and what's the value proposition and the value messaging that you would use. That also lots of times incorporates sales methodology and sales process. Uh, you know, the different aspects of go-to-market uh, are at the heart of that. A lot of that, Greg, ends up being what's a lot at the intersection of the sales product and marketing <laughs> triangle there. Yep. And so you'll see things like product marketing or sales enablement might be program leaders for our engagements. For okay. Example. Fantastic. So the ideal client profile. So our audience, as you know, because because you remember. They're founders, co-founders, senior leaders of boutique pro serve firms, which means they don't sell a product, they sell a service. Um, and it means that they really have to get tight on who their ideal client is because as a boutique, we can fall victim to saying, well, everybody could be a client. You know, if you think about the way that you just described your services, I mean, who doesn't want to improve their win rates? But if you try to go after everybody, you're not going to be very successful and getting super tight on uh, on who you want to serve is, is really important. Yet, for some reason, our members pencil whip this from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> and for the life of me, I can't understand it. Like I, I, 
absolutely could not, I can't get why people would do this. So let's start there. Why do you think the ideal client profile is not uh, treated with the respect that it needs to be inside of a small service firm? I think, um, frankly, whether it's a large organization or a small services firm, either one, it's not treated with the respect due yeah. <laughs> as a part of that. And I say that because a large organization needs focus too. Mm. Um, they've got a lot of resources they're deploying and you can have too many actions going. A small firm like most of us in the collective are, Greg, we have precious resources that we've got at our disposal. And as the owners and operators of those firms, we've got to be very discreet in how we're applying uh, those resources. And uh, frankly, the cornerstone of how you de deploy those resources is based on the ideal client profile mm -hmm. with that as a services firm. Mm -hmm. It's to me, as I mentioned, a lot of what we do is at that intersection of sales, marketing, and product, it drives those three aspects of an operational mm -hmm. business, whether that's a product firm or a services firm. Mm -hmm. For service organizations, it's you know, what are the, what's the staffing that you're going to do? What's the, what's the territory coverage model that you're going to have, uh, whether that's sales or the, the services team uh, for the product team, it's driving the product portfolio uh, around that. So it, it has a, it's an integral part. It's the cornerstone really of what folks should be doing for why people don't do that is beyond me, but it, it's a repeat, it's a repeat offender over yeah. and over. Yeah, it is. So, you know, so and in some cases, people think they have it done and they what they basically have is a demographic profile. And that's mm -hmm. a start for sure. But it's not that's not uh, in and of itself enough. Um, the ideal client profile also includes the psychographic. So you get into things like wants, needs, desires, goals, objectives. You know, these are the things that you can't see. You have to feel and you and you encounter them when you begin your your uh, your sales efforts. It's easy to see things like in a database, like industry, company size, job title, et cetera. And those things are important, but they, they're only the, the starting point. So Jay, when you, when you work with your clients to deliver this for them, what is the process that you go through and how long does it take? And is it, is it difficult? Is it easy? You know, kind of share with us, if somebody does want to go do this, what are they getting into? Greg, uh, let me... Let me preface answering how we do it by what is kind of the output. Cause you mentioned the, the demographic and the psychographic elements of that ideal client profile. And when we're looking at that, we're looking at both, both factors there, right? The demographic end up being things, as you noted, you can pull from a database industry size. Um, it can be number of locations. It could be number of employees, <laughs> things like that uh, can be very good factors when you're doing that. But uh, if you look, at, you're very familiar with the uh, the table of contents of, the, of this uh, book called The Boutique. I think you, you're familiar with that table <laughs> yes, of contents. <laughs> the, the second chapter is Ideal Client Profile. Yeah. It's the cornerstone, yep. but there's a chapter before it called yep. The Problem. <laughs> and the psychographic pieces are about how does the problem come to life yeah. <laughs> with that, right? And when you take those demographic aspects and you say, let's apply that to the big vision, the bigger problem that we're solving there, that ultimately starts to turn into what are the use cases at an organizational level? Uh, at a persona role-based level, it turns into what are the business, financial, and personal pains that those particular members of the buying committee are, are encountering 
as a part of that. That's how you get people off status quo uh, when that's the case is you got to go activate, you know, you, you got to turn it, I think you said from a vitamin into a painkiller, right? Yeah. You don't do that unless you get down to the pain yeah. associated with that. And that psychographic program profile, that's the triggers, that's the attributes uh, when you look at that. Um, to your question of how we do it, it's a lot of interviews. Uh, it's not just interviewing the internal team. Um, what are they having wins and losses is a part of that. So you end up interviewing the, the existing customers or those that we wanted to be customers of the, of the clients. You'll also, we'll do some of the analysis, some of the market segmentation aspects of that as well. But you, you combine that with the voice of the customer. Uh, one of my favorite things we do, you talk about win-loss uh, analysis a lot. We'll go do voice of the customer, um, not just with wins and losses, but not. we have a network within Mario of about 300 executive decision makers. So these are C-level, VP, director-level buyers. And, you know, in the finance function or in the IT function or in a manufacturing function or supply chain function or something like that. And we'll go talk to them. And we haven't gotten introduced to those people by our, by our customer, by our client. We've gotten introduced to those through our network or through people we know. And you can start to really see what, why would they even look at doing something? What's the trigger point or the catalyst for why they would explore? And what would they look like for their buying journey? So go tune to the voice of the customer through win-loss, go tune to it through the internal team, look at the analytics, and then go look at just general good old focus group market data yeah. as part of that as well. And, and those are the aspects that we'll use to build that. The next step then is then go build the pain matrix associated with all those, right? And so that problem turns into the pains once you filter it through the profile. You know, you mentioned getting people off the status quo, and this is such an important point to bring up. And it's a good way to illustrate how somebody would use an ideal client profile. By my estimate, this is just Greg's opinion, about 50% of the times when a services firm loses a deal, they're not losing to another service provider. They're losing to do nothing, meaning the project no. went away. Yeah, <laughs> because status quo won. And to get somebody off a of status quo, you have to convince them to change. And humans don't like to change. It's just, it, it's perceived to be too much work and a pain in the butt and blah, blah, blah. So if you don't really understand the status quo and how the, the status quo is unsatisfactory and you can't get to a pain matrix that you talked about, then you're really not going to grow, scale, and exit your firm some days. There's not going to be enough work. And the ideal client profile is what gets you to that understanding so that when you're having a, a conversation with a prospect, which it's hard to get meetings with prospects, so when you have one, it better be a good meeting. And the way you make it a good meeting is you prepare properly. And one of the ways you prepare properly is a review of an accurate, current uh, ideal client profile so that what comes out of your mouth makes sense to them. So yeah. it takes me to a question, Jay, which is how often do you recommend people update this? Um, once a quarter to twice a year. Yep. And that's the, I mean, and it's, I use that as a variable there because there's a rhythm, there's a cadence that you got to get into. And once a quarter you're fine tuning it, yep. you know, once a year you're doing a macro level on that, but if you can't do it in between that half a year, somewhere in that range, that once a quarter to one, you know, once every two quarters is, is at minimal yeah. <laughs> as a part of that. Yeah, I think that I think that's good for us, and I think maybe, maybe the younger companies that are in the growth stage, they're still trying to figure it out. Maybe they do it more frequently because they haven't really yeah. figured out yet who they're serving. 
in the scale stage, maybe you do it less frequently, and maybe it's based on a certain thing. Like maybe, maybe you're going into a new market, or maybe you're launching a new service, and therefore you drive the need for that. I can tell you that when you get to the exit stage, in diligence, people are going to ask you for it, yeah. and they're going to yeah. they're, they're going to say to you, "How big's your market?" Exactly, and they're going to you're going to have to not just give the attributes of it, but you're going to have to give the sizing around that right. <laughs> as a part of that, and. The, the sizing lots of times go back goes back to the demogra- the demographic as- aspect yep. of it the thing that that doesn't change as often right. right that that that's why I say you may do the the hard coding the hard work on the demographic aspect of the profile maybe once a year on that maybe every half year but I guarantee you the attributes of the psychographic are changing a lot more frequently than that I mean we're staring 2023. I mean, the, the marketing, uh, none of us saw COVID exactly. <laughs> but psychographic changed in a moment there with that, right? And we had our best six-month period we ever had. And even since then, the second half of 2020, just because people had extra money to yeah. spend uh, with that, right? They didn't have travel, sales travel budgets to use. And, they were, and those sales leaders were saying, I'm not letting this go to waste. Let's put it to use through consulting services. So there was unmet, there was pent-up demand there that we were able to tap into, um, that's a, that's a one-time event. <laughs> Hopefully right. it's a one-time event yeah. in that sense. Right. But that's a psychographic piece you're tapping into for a period of time there. Yeah. I'll share a story, a story with the audience to kind of bring this to life a little bit. So the reason why the number 54 is in the name collective 54 is that's the industry code for professional services and, and an industry code is one of the elements of the demographic profile, but there's, approximately 1.5 million firms in that code. There's no way that we could go after 1.5 million. And and even within each firm, these firms are often partnerships with his co-founders. So maybe there's two or three people that would be interested in our services. So let's say that the addressable market's four to five million people. I mean, it's impossible to go after that. So we, we just went through, because here it is at the time of this recording, it's November of 2022, and we're planning for 2023. And we're trying to figure out, where are we going to deploy our limited resources as a small firm, a small boutique ourselves? And we went, we've had 17 exits in Collective 54 in about three years. When I say that, when I say we, I mean 17 members have exited and we've had a ringside seat. Of those 17, nine of them, nine are in customers, custom software development. And until we went to refresh our ideal client profile, we didn't know that. Like it was yeah. right under our nose. But we didn't know that. And we said, what's going on here? Why, why is the custom software development segment within the 54th segment doing so well? Well, as they say, software is eating the world. And there's huge demand for it. So these people are scaling and they're running into scale problems. So they're a, they're a natural fit for what it is that we do. So guess what? We're now being much more deliberate and intentional and having conversations with software development shops because of that knowledge. That's an example for the audience members of how powerful this tool would be. And Jay, you went through this one-time event with COVID and COVID changed the sales strategy for pretty much every company in the world. I mean, we used to drive around in our cars and go meet people face-to-face. Now we sell over Zoom. So Yeah, you don't get, sales guys don't need a gas card anymore. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd hate to be the guy selling the gas card. <laughs> um, so how how did your client profile change as a result of COVID? And was it a one-time thing or are there some things that are going to persist? 
the demographic aspects didn't change that much as a result of COVID. It was those psychographic and it was just looking at some different trigger points related to that. Um, if you break down, Greg, our, our primary um, ideal client profile, it looks a little something like this. We will we'll focus on large enterprise companies, primarily technology oriented companies. Uh, so enterprise software SaaS related. Um, those are going to be most of the time north of a billion dollars because there's not that many enterprise software. There's not that many companies between 100, 100 million and a billion anyway, yep. <laughs> kind of thing. And so the large enterprise companies where we're going and solving a divisional problem. Then you've got those under 100 and then you have those under 25 million. So we break that technology only band down into those three buckets of 25 and below, million and below, 25 to 100, and then basically over a billion because we the, the 100 100 million to a billion. There's just not that many in there. Then you take those and we'll apply private equity, uh, particularly take that 25 to 100 million. And we're looking for private equity backed portfolio companies is another key trigger point. Again, psychographic trigger that we've seen is a recent funding round by private equity. We were actually doing some 2023 planning and I'll give you the numbers because I don't know, I don't have them memorized yet because we were literally just looking at crunching these a little bit this week. So in that 25 to 100 million revenue band for technology enterprise software type companies, there's 3,923 total companies in Zoom Info that fit the bill on that. Okay. That's not a massive number, right? But that's plenty big. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Go yeah. after it, right? Yeah. Okay. You take the private equity that have done a funding round and there's 399 of those who have done a funding round wow. on that. Okay. So now we're getting to like where we can go focus yep. as a part of that. Um you take the the uh, the text the U.S. Ver- the U.S. piece of that. I'm uh, let me actually go back. There's 3,923. There's 720. I'm sorry that have done private equity. Okay. Uh, act on that. Okay. Within Texas, you and I live in the Texas. Yep. There's 38 that have done a recent funding round associated with that. Okay. So that's one percent of that. Now, do we want to capture more than 1%? Yeah, but you take that, my point is you take the universe and you start to segment that down and then it starts to direct your marketing campaigns. Yeah, and you have a priority. Account, yeah, account-based marketing is a is a huge focus now, right? A B2B, how are we going to apply all these marketing automation systems? It's not by doing broadcast marketing, it's doing very account-based targeted marketing. Like you got to get down to the 38 in Texas to yeah. do account-based marketing, right? Yeah. Not the, even the 39.23, it's... Who are the 38 in Texas? Because I got one rep in Texas calling on those 39 accounts. Yeah. <laughs> Part of that, right? Yeah, and, and the tools can target like that now, right? So, it, yeah. again, it makes the ideal client profile that much easier. You know, if you're going to yeah. if you're gonna do some marketing automation systems, you can target by those 38, which is really good. Well, listen, we could talk about this forever. Um, we try to keep these podcast episodes short. The extended conversation is the Friday Q&A with yep. the members and I'm really looking forward to to uh, you hosting that for us in the upcoming weeks. I know it's going to be well attended and a lot of members are going to have a lot of questions. So thanks for being on the show today and sharing what you know about this using your own firm as an example, plus your clients clearly have some domain expertise here. So thanks for sharing with the group. Yeah, glad to be a part of it. Thanks for the invitation, Greg. Thank okay. you. Great. All right. So um, if you're not a member... And you think you might want to be, you want to be in a community and meet great people like Jay, uh, go to collective54.com and you can apply for membership. And uh, if you're not ready to be a member yet and you want to educate yourself and listen to more content like this, 
You can subscribe to Collective 54 Insights and you'll get a weekly podcast and blog. Uh, you'll get access to some charts that are based on our benchmarking data that are really interesting. And uh, you can get a copy of our book, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. So check that out. And uh, that's the end of the show. And I thank you for listening. And I look forward to the next episode. <laughs>